illogical, illogical. Please explain. You are human. Only humans can explain their behavior. Please explain. I am not programmed to respond in that area. Good morning and uh, welcome to Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. It is episode 158. I'm Sam Miller. I'm with Ben Lindbergh. Ben, how are you doing? I am well. Great. Um, it's uh, Email Wednesday. Yeah. It came a day earlier than I had anticipated because we didn't do a podcast Monday. Yeah, and it actually also came an hour earlier than you anticipated because of daylight savings. Oh, that's true. Uh, so yeah, a day and an hour, yeah. 20, 25 hours early. Can we, before we start answering questions, can I say one brief thing about the winter meetings that, or not the uh, winter meetings, the Sabre conference that I didn't say yesterday? I would love that. Uh, the The most surreal moment of, of the Sabre conference was when I was asked by a member of the front office of the Reds why we hate the Reds completely seriously uh, wondered why we hate the Reds. So I had to explain that whole backstory. Um, and I maybe have to explain it again because I feel like that... We should explain it, yeah. yeah. That comes from like episode 30 or something. And I assume that we have picked up new listeners and none of them have been crazy enough to go back and listen to our archives. Um, so that comes from, I don't know, after 30 episodes or so, someone had had left a comment on one of our podcast posts uh, chronicling every team that we had talked about to that point. And I guess it makes sense that there would be a team that we hadn't talked about to that point if we were doing one or two topics per episode. But uh, it just so happened that we hadn't really talked about the Reds so much or his perception was that we hadn't talked about the Reds. So he actually uh, did the he actually had a, a chart. Yes. He had a, he charted every topic. Yes. Right. Uh, and so instead of explaining why that was, we embraced our identities as Reds haters. Uh, and so periodically since then we have, we have pretended to hate the Reds or I don't know, maybe, maybe we genuinely have come to hate them now. I, no, I think that at some point in another episode from long ago that people would not have gone back and listened to, I think we both acknowledge that we quite like the Reds and that. The, um, we like the way that the roster is currently constructed. We think they're a good team, and one of the the, the primary reason we hadn't really done a lot of topics about them was simply that uh, they were a team without any real flaws, and they were a team without a real pennant race because they were so much better than their division opponents that there wasn't a lot of day-to-day drama around them. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've talked about them since, I think, and uh, it just goes to show we have to be mindful of the fact that our words can hurt. <laughs> it was it was discussed in the Reds front office. Why do Ben and Sam hate the Reds? Uh, so now now they know. Yeah, I um, I do find this whole thing shocking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I texted you and said that the Reds thought that we hated them. And you asked why, because you couldn't believe that it was possibly because of the podcast thing. That's right. I sent you a response that said, why? And then I sent you a second response that said, not because of the podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, email Wednesday is beginning now. Um, Eric Hartman uh, from Brooklyn, New York asks, how many wins would you project in a season for an all-star team of the three worst teams in the majors? And then he posits that the three worst teams in the majors are currently Houston, Minnesota, and Colorado. 
so uh, so he's saying that we're taking we're making one roster out of those three worst rosters. That's exactly what he's saying. Okay. So I uh, went through the trouble, uh, which took four seconds, of actually doing this roster, of putting this roster together. Um, so I'll just real quick, I'll go down the list of what I think the, the, the roster would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can correct me if you think there are any mistakes here. But for catcher, you'd have Joe Maurer. Mm-hmm. Uh, for first base, is tricky. I, I don't know that there's a, a world of difference between Morneau, Wallace, Helton, Carter, and Pena. So you can sort of take any of them. But I guess I maybe would think that you'd take uh I I take more no? Carter Carter <laughs> yeah <laughs> could be could be any of them yeah uh maybe Peña I guess I'd take Peña uh, I would not take Peña <laughs> all right fair enough second base Altuve third base Trevor Plouffe shortstop Tulowitzki uh corner outfield uh would probably be I would say Willingham and Carlos Gonzalez uh, with Dexter Fowler in center, but if you prefer Michael Kadair on a corner and, and Cargo in center. Uh, and then a rotation of Norris, Chassin, Pomeranz, Worley, and Lucas Harrell, and then a pretty good bullpen of relievers, which every team has. Well, so I like the lineup. It is a good lineup, and it, it actually sort of points out that, that one of the things that um, bad teams have is they, they generally don't have a sort of flatly bad team. They're usually pretty bad at some positions, and then they happen to have a star here and a star there and an adequate player here and an adequate player there. If you did this with the Marlins, for instance, who I think might actually be worse than the Rockies, maybe, uh, you'd get Stanton in there, which would be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and, although you wouldn't get Tulowitzki and you wouldn't get Carlos Gonzalez. Um, so you do actually end up with a pretty good lineup, and the deeper you go, I mean, the bench would be great, right? Because all the, mm-hmm. virtually everybody on, on these teams is, is better than the average bench player, so or every starting player on these teams. So you have quite a bench to pull from, and I think that shows up in the, the bullpen, which um, I, I, your top five would probably be Betancourt, Belial, Perkins, uh, Lopez, and, and maybe Burton, which is a pretty good bullpen. Yeah, I, that sounds like a... Uh, hmm. But then the rotation is brutal. The right. rotation is almost not better than any of those teams' rotations. You could almost <laughs> take any five of the 15 starters, and it would be the same. I mean, there's that's probably a, I don't know, what, a six-warp rotation right there mm. from five guys? So maybe that's still a, I would say it's still a winning team, I think, maybe. I would definitely say it's a winning team. Yeah. I don't know that it's a championship team. No. Probably not a cha- probably not a championship team. Stan Kasten said at the Sabre Conference, and I feel like I'm going to be referring to the Sabre Conference for weeks now, uh, he said that if you have a good starting rotation, anything, any outcome is possible for your team, uh, regardless of how strong it is in other areas. And if you do not have a good starting rotation, then nothing is possible. I don't know. Maybe that is an oversimplification, but that is his his team building philosophy. All things uh, are oversimplifications because the English language cannot capture the nuance of our internal minds. Mm. But I would say that um, the first half of that rings truer than the second half mm-hmm. of it. I just I, I bet you could. Find, I mean, I, well, I don't know. This might be disputable, but I mean, the 1975 Reds kind of had a lousy rotation, didn't mm-hmm. they? And they won like 144, 145 games. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, so, I'm going to say then you take these, what, 60 to 65 win teams and you smush them together 
and you get, uh, I don't know, I think you could win close to 90 maybe. Yeah, I think that it's probably the seventh or eighth best team in baseball. Uh, uh, the question is, is there any practical use for this knowledge that we've just... <laughs> Do you think Eric is going somewhere with this? Mm, it was fun to talk about. I don't. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm not sure what. I'm not sure what the larger lesson of baseball is from this discussion. I would. I, I might think a little bit more about this, and if I if I have something later in the week to 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 go further with it, then sounds maybe like I'll it could that. be a, a pebble hunting down the road. It no. does. Yeah. Okay, um, so now we're going to move on to uh, another question. This is from a fellow named Logan, who says, um, who asks, uh, are there rules prohibiting another player from helping the catcher block the plate? For example, say there is one out in the bottom of the ninth and a man is on third, pop up to left, potential collision at the plate to decide the game. What prevents Prince Fielder from running over from first <laughs> to help the catcher block the plate like an offensive lineman? I'd say the pitcher could help as well, but they usually back up the catcher. Uh, the idea of physically impeding the path of the runner being illegal seems not to apply at home plate, so why not help out when the situation dictates it? I think this is a great question, and it would be uh, amazing uh, if someone tried. <laughs> I think that um, there are, if you don't mind, I will answer with two answers, and if you want to just assent at the end or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So one is that you note that um, you, Logan, you, Logan, are noting that it is illegal, uh, that the rule, the baseball rule in question, uh, which I have here, is the rule 706 subsection B comment, the catcher without the ball in his possession has no right to block the pathway of the runner attempting to score. The baseline belongs to the runner, and the catcher should be there only when he is fielding a ball or when he is already has the ball in his hand. I mean, this is a pretty clearly illegal play that the catchers already do, but it has been sort of grandfathered in or, or I guess not grandfathered in because it's always been against the rules, but uh, deemed allowable. However, it is this is an unwritten rule. Uh, clearly, once you start uh, taking unwritten rules to uh, frightening extremes, uh, things get written and things get enforced. So I, I just don't think that you'd have any chance of getting this past an umpire. Um, and you'd actually, it, it would probably backfire because you would, as it is now, the catcher has an illegal edge over the base runner. If you tried to do anything tricky, I you would essentially lose that edge because I think you would lose the umpires. The umpires would no longer be on your side. Um, there's actually a, uh, uh, well, okay, no, I don't need to get into that. Um, the other thing is that um, right now when there's a collision, there's essentially the, 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 the runner, the catcher has a, a little bit of a physical advantage in that he's well padded. Mm -hmm. uh, but the umpire has an advantage in that he's running. I, I said the umpire. I meant the runner. The runner, did I say the umpire? Uh, yes. Okay. The runner has an advantage because the runner is running, right? He's got all the force. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's one body is at rest. The other body is in motion and the body in motion can do a lot more damage. Um, so when you talk about bringing a uh, player in to assist in the blocking, even if it's a large, girthy player like Prince Fielder, uh, I think that he would just be physically destroyed by, by the impact because he wouldn't have the padding and he wouldn't have any momentum whatsoever. Uh, so essentially, the base runner could just 
destroy him. Um, and so I don't think that you would see any volunteers for that assignment. Hmm. Uh, I, I think, yes, I agree it would be dangerous. I guess it's hard for me to imagine Prince Fielder being destroyed by anything. Uh, I guess it, well, it depends Prince on the Fielder, runner. I mean, Prince Fielder is a large man, but most most ball players are large men, and a lot yeah. of ball players are very large men. Yeah. Well, maybe if it's if it's David Eckstein or something. Um, I, I don't know. It makes me think. I guess there are parallels in other sports of players whose primary jobs is not are not to do a thing, doing that thing. Uh, like in hockey, I guess. And I don't watch any of these sports, but I see highlights from time to time. Uh, there are those times when hockey players who are not the goalie protect the goal and kind of sprawl and and block the goal and just lie there or, or whatever. I don't know exactly what's legal, but that happens. Or I guess there are free kicks in soccer where everyone lines up and protects their private parts and stands there to help the goalie cut off an angle. Mm-hmm. Um, so it made me think of that. But yeah, I think you're... you're your concerns are valid. Did you uh, did you see the video recently of the college pitcher who uh, tackled yeah. the base runner? <laughs> yes, I did. Um, well, so uh, yeah, I mean, if you if you start assuming that that because this one rule is overlooked, that all rules will be overlooked, then basically the question is, well, why doesn't the third baseman just you know hold the guy? Mm-hmm. At you know, why doesn't the third baseman just wrap his arms around him and hold him? Because if you know, if the umpires aren't calling any of the rules, then they won't call that one. And of course, they will. So uh, that's the reason I think. While uh, you have something to say, uh, not really. Inhale. I was just gonna say that I guess there have been teams that were known to do that. A long time ago when there were fewer umpires uh, I think like the Orioles at the turn of last century were known for grabbing onto guys belt buckles as they went by to slow them oh. down and that's I think why there are as many umpires as there are now uh, while I was researching this I looked at the Bill James historical baseball abstract from uh, you know the 80s or whatever this was published and on the page where it discusses blocking the plate uh, there's a little uh, story about Bill Veck and how in 1948 he would move the walls in and out depending on the opponent. Yes, yeah, I wrote about that. Yeah, I figured you would like that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's see. I think we're going to do one more. This is from uh, Matt Trueblood, uh, who says, um, who, who wants to piggyback off of your discussion yesterday about the all-bullpen starting pitching mm-hmm. uh whatever. Uh, And so Matt writes, I found myself wondering why we don't just expand big league rosters to 26 men. Obviously the great challenge to the liver shot model reference that only people who heard yesterday will understand Mm -hmm. is that you have to carry 13 pitchers to do it. Maybe 14 roster flexibility doesn't exist anymore. It seems, and it shouldn't really surprise us that strikeouts are sky high and run scoring is low at a time when teams have seeded the platoon advantage. Yet it's clear that what teams are doing in terms of pitcher handling is working. Pitchers are staying healthier and pitching as well as ever. The natural solution to me would be to expand rosters so that teams can keep pursuing this sound pitching strategy without feeling so hamstrung. The 26th guy would be a minimum wage player, so it's not like the owners should get up in arms over it. It's been 25 forever, uh, although it actually has only been 25 since like the late 80s. Uh, Seems like, which is still a long time, just not forever. Mm -hmm. Seems like a change is past due. 
thanks. So, um, uh, I, I agree that that is the, the greatest obstacle. And I think Brian Kenny, when he was talking about that, told a story about proposing that idea to Larry Boa, uh, and, and proposing that teams don't use starters and just go bullpen only from the beginning. And Larry Boa said, that's great, Brian. How do you win the second game? Um, <laughs> which is kind of the problem. Um, I just... It, it doesn't... Can I just interrupt? Yeah. It, the the math seems to be sort of... I mean, depending on how you do it, uh, I guess the problem is that you're one disaster outing away from having your, your plans disrupted, but it doesn't seem that hard to get the innings out of a 12, 12 man bullpen. Well, I guess if you... I mean, now it seems like guys never go more than one inning. I guess if you could get... If you could expand relievers' workload a little bit as you decrease starters' workload, that would help if you could get guys to go two innings, which startlingly few relievers do anymore. Um, that would help. I, I guess, uh, I mean, I don't know that this change, I mean, this change would certainly help you put that plan into action, but I don't know that it's in baseball's best interest to encourage that. Yeah, I agree. I don't know that it's it's good baseball i mean it's people... terrible baseball <laughs> yeah, it's, right. it's ugly it's awful people, people... <laughs> i mean the, the starting look the starting the starting pitcher is as close to a you know a hero a, a sort of a quarterback as baseball has it's the it makes each day different than the previous day mm-hmm. and there's something um there's something about having justin verlander start every fifth day that makes baseball more marketable and i mean when even i don't know even I mean, obviously, the, the the sort of weirdness of it might not appeal to people. You might lose people that way. But I just think that losing the, um, you know, turning every pitcher into an in a, into an anonymous two inning guy, basically, which is which is sort of what this does. It it I mean, it might be great strategy. I'd be all in favor of it. If I were the Rockies, I'd do it instantly. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it would give Bud Selig a heart attack, I think. And so asking Bud to not only uh, stand idly by while the game changes so radically under his uh, his aegis, but to also ask him to change the rules and to break tradition to enable it uh, seems like um, not really something he's going to be all that eager to do. Yeah, and I mean, does anyone want to see more pitching changes? No one, exactly. no one tunes in to see pitching changes. People complain about how many there are already and how long games take already, and there are constantly initiatives to to think of ways to shorten the game. So... I can't imagine this makes uh, it a better spectator sport. Plus, people like to see scoring, I think. Um, and if you did this, then there would be even more strikeouts uh, and fewer balls in play and fewer runs scored. And, and I think just on the whole, it would be a, a much less entertaining game. So um, let me ask you this. Uh, when, when do you predict there will be uh, something like an all-bullpen staff? In, in, a, in for a real major league baseball team, uh, how many years from now or never? Mm, well, I, I think it will continue to get closer to that. I think it will approach that. I don't, I don't know that there will come a time when there is no differentiation at all between starters and relievers. I think probably you'd at least have sort of a, a first among relievers who yeah. goes, I don't know, four innings or three innings before you get into the one and two inning guys. Um, so I don't, I don't know that you would ever get to 
a state where you're using seven pitchers to get through every game or eight pitchers to get through every game. But I think we will probably continue to approach that point. And uh, I mean, the lack of emphasis on, on pitcher wins, I think that is one of the the greatest obstacles to it is that pitcher wins still get people paid and pitchers are not pleased about missing out on wins. Um, so as that continues to be marginalized and, and isn't as big a part of, you know, there's not as much financial incentive to going five innings. I don't know whether they'll change the rule for wins or whether people will just stop paying attention to them, but that would remove one obstacle. And, and I would guess that it would continue to approach that point, but probably never get there as long as as the twenty five man roster is in place. Yeah, I think that. Uh, well, the the thing, one of the things that might end up enabling it is that the twenty the twenty sixth guy is probably going to get added for a totally uh, unrelated reason. I mean, it, it's only a matter of time, I think, until um, teams add a twenty sixth guy for um, you know, bargaining reasons, right? The players want it. And, um, you know, the way the game kind of, the way the game as is sort of argues for it. Uh, so it'll probably happen. Uh, and that might enable this sort of strategy later. I think that the, um, I think what you're saying about how there will still be the, the sort of premium pitcher who might go three or four or five. Um, that I think is true. If lots of teams do this, because then essentially you would have um, the talent would still be distributed um, throughout the league, and you're not going to if you have Verlander, you're not going to use him exactly as often as you're going to use right. Phil Cope. Mm-hmm. However, if you're talking about one team doing it, mm-hmm. then basically the reason that one team would do it is that it's a way of building an effective pitching staff for uh, you know close to the minimum by you know not signing any of these starters who cost so much money. Um, and so I could see one team doing it in a very pure and fairly balanced way. I think it once, if multiple teams are doing it, though, I think you're right. So mm-hmm. uh, I would guess that some team will try something awfully close to this uh, within 18 years. <laughs> okay. I'd buy that. Um, but only one team. I don't think it catches it on in the next. I don't, okay. th- I don't think it catches on in so the next. So will it be a failure or will it just be not successful enough to persuade people to to change their ways? I, my guess is that it's not as effective as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so we have uh, six days roughly for you to get new – six days and 23 hours basically for you to get new emails in. So email podcast at baseballperspectus.com for next week's show. Weird questions are perfectly acceptable. We'll be back tomorrow with topics to discuss. <laughs>